approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. I am your host, as always, Coach Steve. With me is, as always, is my man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Coach Chips? What up, team? What up, fam? Uh, I'm just glad to do another podcast on a nice, gloomy Monday after getting rained on all weekend. But other than that, hey, like I'm live, I'm breathing, and um, hey, let's get it moving. Oh, uh, yeah. And of course, we got Coach John. What's going on, Coach John? Nothing much, coaches. Just hanging out. Another beautiful Monday. Absolutely. It's great to be a Monday here, and we have football to talk about, guys, of course. Uh, in today's episode, guys, we are talking year two players. So we're going to go back, not recap, but reevaluate some of these players and how they're going to do this coming, how we assume that they're going to be doing this coming season, whether they're going to take that next step or have a big breakout year or fail and regress or just not live up to the hype that they had uh, after after their rookie season or before the rookie season. So uh, we'll get right into it, of course. Get my handy-dandy slideshow up today. And, of course, I said you're two fantasy players, guys. So news-wise, there's not a lot of things going on out there. Jeremy McKinnon signed a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Terry McLaren expected to continue his holdout. David Johnson visiting the Saints. Really weird. I thought he'd be done. Robbie Anderson almost wanting to retire during the weekend and then posts on Instagram oh, Monday that he's ready to go for minicamp. So uh, Robbie Anderson playing with some fantasy dynasty owners right now. And, of course, ter- those ter- Terrence Marshall truthers that are still out there. So, again, really nothing in terms of fantasy news really too much here. I wouldn't go into too much detail. So I really wanted to get into the juice of our actual segment today. So we will start here at the top here. Year two quarterbacks who plan to succeed or who we assume is going to exceed. Coach John, you have first up, my friend. You have Trevor Lawrence. Why is Trevor Lawrence primed to succeed in his year two season? Um, Because I think one of the biggest things and one of the biggest factors that was holding Trevor Lawrence back was the organization and the coach. So the fact that he's got Doug Peterson in there now, new coach, go in there and teach him how to, you know, be a good professional, run an offense, simplify the game for him so that it can it can just get down to the fundamentals he has all the tools he has all the intangibles he has the arm talent he has the mobility so for me i think this is just a jaguars thing i think it was um you know a little bit of uh oh my god why can't i think of his name coach old coach that just got fired. Uh, urban meyer urban, i think it's a little bit of urban meyer's doing for why trevor lawrence in that season went so south uh so quickly but I still believe in the talent and I still believe that Trevor Lawrence is a top, you know, quarterback, top 15, top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think he can break out into that level next year. Yeah. Uh, I pretty much agree Surrounded with, him with talent. I mean, they gave him, exactly. they gave him weapons and now I'm not saying that they're the best weapons, but they at <laughs> least gave him some weapons to work with and gave him some pieces um, in Christian Kirk and uh, Zay Jones and, um, you know, it's going to be Travis Etienne coming back off an injury. So I think there's, there is promise to be had in that offense. And if they can creep towards being a, you know, a 
20, you know, if they're 20th in the league in offensive rankings, and then Trevor Lawrence's fantasy value will go way up. There's no way he's only going to throw a handful of touchdowns again next year. It's just not possible. Statistically, it's just crazy that he threw for almost 500 attempts and only had a half dozen touchdowns. (laughs) Like that's just crazy that that even happened. So it'll, it'll bounce back. Regression is due to come for Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. And I know we've been talking a lot about Trevor Lawrence. So the, I, know, I feel like I've been talking of Trevor like two shows in a row. Yeah, now. I think it was last show too. But again, it the importance by Coach John, how how Trevor Lawrence is primed to bounce back after a really bad season. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to last week's episode. But uh, Coach Jibs, over to you, my friend. You got none, as which you told me at some point. But you said maybe Davis Mills. Uh, run us through why, you know, none. And maybe at that point, why Davis Mills maybe. All right, I told you none this morning. That was before I had my cup of coffee and I got acclimated at work, you know. So I was feeling a little grumpy, you know. But um, I did come up with Davis Mills. Like, um, out of the, I guess, last remaining quarterbacks, I think you guys took pretty two pretty good ones. But, um, like, in my opinion, the Texans' um, offseason shows them that they believe in David Mills. Um, they finally dealt Watson to the Browns. They didn't bother bringing in any quarterback competition whatsoever. They didn't draft no one. They got... Um, <laughs> Jeff Driscoll and like other bums back there too. So like you know the gigs him. Last season he finished QB twenty eight. So there was only room for up. Like unless you're like a Jets quarterback from last two seasons. But he paired thirteen games and like just like your guy Steve. Like he started out in the beginning of the season, had his rookie lumps, and um. Got, he came back and then he had a couple good games down the stretch. And I think in the last five games, he had nine touchdowns, two interceptions. So, like, they still have Brandon Cooks as, like, a, I guess the lead guy in the offense for him to anchor on. He could get some more um, chemistry with Nico Collins and Bevan Jordan. And I think those three could, like, be a steady, like, dose offensively for him to pass through. And then, obviously, I know they have a room full of running backs and they're going to need them. They're not good whatsoever, but like with how many heads they have, I think they'll find a solution for running the ball this year. So instead of being that quarterback three this season, I think Davis Mills could kind of creep up into that, um, I guess, low end QB two range. And like, especially if you're doing raw redraft, I mean, super flex leagues and stuff like that, that'd be a quarterback in the late round. You want to keep your eye on, like he's still young and you could probably get a couple of years and some service out of him instead of paying high end capital and drafts to get your two um, book in quarterbacks for your um, flex and your super flex. So I'm going with um, Davis Mills. I think he's ready to take a leap and yeah, I'm not saying Mac Jones because, like, I still yeah. think the freaking uh, tricycle um, wheels are still on the bike with them. Well, we might we might mention Mac Jones in a little bit, but uh, over to mine there because I love yours. I love yours, Jibs. I do like Davis Mills. I, I hope he, the man can succeed in his year too, but we'll see. But like I said, over to mine, guys. I obviously think went with Zach Wilson, of course, my uh, my. Uh, fantasy dream crush over here apparently because i talk about zach wilson consistently in fantasy football and i don't know what else is there left to say but i mean the man has just been giving the best weapons possible compared to anyone else in this draft class he's got three really talented wide receivers a solid tight end duo a run game that features high caliber talent he was somebody like he his game involves around the deep ball and there's players for him to use in that fashion he has that ability to run the run game is going to improve which is a key factor in this you know somewhat kyle shanahan type of offense that they're trying to attempt to run in new york 
And again, he was someone who did very well, again, on the deep ball, top 15 quarterback in terms of deep ball completions and red zone. And then you have that rushing ability that he could possibly show us. Again, at the end of the season, he shot it showing, more, look more comfortable in the offense here. I know people are saying he's in, in, inaccurate in the offseason right now and OTAs and shit, but again, that's just some bullshit talk for right now. Honestly, you get this man on the field, and Zach Wilson is going to take that next step in his development for one of these year two guys, and, and I'm really excited to see what he's able to do because many of my dynasty teams rely on Zach Wilson to uh, <laughs> perform to that level. But in a general sense, even if I didn't need Zach Wilson to do that, I do believe that he can. Yeah, I think Zach Wilson's a great one. Zach Wilson's a good one. I mean, he's the Jets basically surrounded him with every excuse to not be successful. So now he needs to step up. He's got all these pieces, like you said, Garrett Wilson, um, Elijah Elijah Moore. Uh, the running back game is going to be good. I think watching him come out of play action, which is where you know Kyle Shanahan does a lot of their damage, is play action. Zach Wilson can have some big plays, which will be good. Uh, you know for both um, Zach Wilson and the receiving core around him. Uh, the Jets in general are just a, they're a good experiment. I'm excited to see the Jets play. I say this, I feel like I say this every year, but I'm excited to see the Jets offense this year. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't said that in 15, 20 years. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I was like, I don't think I've ever been excited for it, but I do like it this year. So that's why I'm on the Zach Wilson bandwagon still. So, but we got to talk about some quarterbacks that are doomed to fail here right now. And it's basically the other three quarterbacks that we have yet to talk about in this class here. And Coach Sean, you have your boy, Mac Jones, as a fail. But maybe it's a different type of fail that we're thinking of. So explain us. Why is it Mac Jones a fail quarterback in year two for you? So this one really was just an, an interpretation of what the word fail means. And so, you know, the this whole conversation was who takes a step forward and who doesn't, right? And who and, and I just don't think Mac Jones can take a step forward. I just don't think he has the tools. He doesn't have the mobility. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't what we saw out of Mac Jones last year, you know, get in the playoffs, you get bounced by a good Bills team, but you know, you you were farting around low-end quarterback two numbers. You had a couple spike weeks where you're in the low quarterback one. I think that's probably who Mac Jones is and what we get from him. I mean, that's fine and serviceable if you're in a dynasty format and you can and you need to plug up you know i don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon i think the patriots love him i think he's a good quarterback in in real nfl standards but for fantasy i just think there's there's nowhere really for him to to grow i think what you get is he's going to deliver the ball he's going to you know dissect a defense quickly he's going to make the correct throws but none of this stuff is like this high octane super powerful potent fantasy stuff so i think that in the in the the loss of um of their coach of the uh, offensive coordinator is going is to be tough it's going to be really hard for them to come through and you know, who's calling plays now you know it's 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 one thing to go from one of the smartest offensive minds to now Matt Patricia. I mean, I don't know who's calling plays for them. It's it's going to be interesting. So I think Mac Jones is not a fail in terms of like he's just going to flame out of the league. But in terms of fantasy, he's just a limited piece. He's very limited. He's going to be a solid quarterback, too, for you. All right. All right. Like I said, Mac Jones is definitely an interesting because he obviously, out of everyone, he played the best, considerably so, but... Taking that next step that I just 
Like, like I don't think they put the weapons around him to even attempt to do that. And you're going to get, I think, like Coach John said, similar numbers to what we saw last year. So I like that one there. You know, I hate you to probably say it about your Patriots, but it hurt. It hurt to say it, but I had to be honest. I got to be honest with the the listeners. You know, I just don't see a world where Mac Jones takes this like fantasy step forward. I just don't, unless he all of a sudden puts up 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns, which is not going to happen, but it's not going to, he's not going to do anything with his legs. He's not going to run any touchdowns in. So, you know, you got to hope for that big, you know, massive, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Like a big statistical passing year that I just don't think Mac Jones has in the bag. Right. Right. Definitely. All right, Coach Jibs, my friend, over to you. Justin Fields, my man. Why Justin oh. Fields for you? Well, we mentioned how Mac Jones has talent, some talent around him. Zach Wilson just got all the talent around him. But um, Justin Fields, the Bears, man, they're not doing anything whatsoever to help this man. Like, Justin Fields has all the allure of the talent. He could rush. He could throw the ball. Like, we've seen some deep connections with Darnell Mooney and whatnot. But, like, my big thing for, with Justin Fields this year is that offensive line. They let Allen Robinson walk in free agency. That's a big piece of their offense gone, a big body receiver that could help them out. I, I think Darren Mooney is in, this, in the line for a great year as well. But like Byron Pringle, Vilas Jones, really, like that's not doing you good. That's a lot of speed, though, but it's really not helping you. I looked at an article from Pro Football Focus at the be, uh, beginning of the, I guess, this offseason, so at the end of last year, and they rated the Bears offensive line 22nd worst. You know what their ranking is? Same article that came out this morning. I'm going to say 31st worse. Oh, 31st. So yeah. They got <laughs> no, even work. worse in the offseason. So <laughs> if Justin Fields doesn't have any time in the pocket to connect with those deep throws and get those wide, speedy wide receivers open, I don't think he's going to have that much stability in the offense. Yeah, he could run, but like with offensive line woes, we could see him being nicked up and missing games like he did last year. So I'm kind of skeptical of Justin Fields this year. Um, I hope he has a good year. Just like you, Steve, I do have dynasty shares of Justin Fields, but like, it's a lot of things that I have to work in his direction and especially in a, um, pretty, um, well, you, I would say lukewarm, but their, uh, NFC North teams are pretty competitive towards each other. So mm-hmm. this is, this is true. And it's a tough division, but yeah, like you said, Fields is definitely someone he needs more time in the pocket and more time to develop. And he's not getting that this season. So him, him taking a big step like a Lamar Jackson, or something like that. It just doesn't seem logical in his second season. No, you need pieces to have these hyper mobile and these types of quarterbacks work, you know, the Justin Fields, the Trey Lances, you need to have an offensive system around him to support that. And the bears just don't have it. It's, the bears just don't have the tools and the pieces around to make Justin Fields successful. So I agree with this one hundred percent. And I love Justin Fields, the talent in a vacuum, He's one of my favorites. You know, he's a competitive guy. He's great. Um, but I just don't think the Bears have what it takes for him to take that next step. All right. Another good one there, Coach Jibs. And over to mine, guys. Definitely a lot of people going to hate on this one, of course, because it's Trey Lance, guys. And I, and I picked mine first over <laughs> everyone. So I, I could have went any many different directions here. I, I set my picks in before I, these guys had a chance to uh, pick theirs. But the way I see with Trey Lance is I, I don't expect him to – take that step that everyone, I mean, there's people out there in redrafts that has him as a top 10 redraft quarterback this season, that he is going to just dominate this league, have a Lamar Jackson type of year, Colin Murray rookie year, where he's just 
fantastic. And I know it comes down to the rushing ability of him, of course, which is fantastic. But it, for me, his passing game is kind of scary still. I mean, over last year, over any pass who had 70 or more passes, he had the lowest completion percentage over every other quarterback in the NFL. Not great. He, yeah, he's got a lot of great weapons around him, which is great to hear. But his deep ball accuracy is kind of scary. He's something he needs to prove on that. He's got the arm talent. There's no question about that. It's just that there is literally no accuracy. He just throws it to throw it like a fastball and like baseball or something like that. And it goes any which way possible. He's also a quarterback who really hasn't played a lot of football over the last two seasons. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's played, I think, maybe a hand, like 10, full, 10 full games over the last two, two years now in his football career. And that goes back to college. You know, there's no there's no step stone when you go from a division two to the NFL. There's no he didn't get that time to just develop and and take those woos when he could. He's not going to get a chance to this year because they're really trying to have him win. They're putting a lot of faith in this man. And to be honest, the 49ers, their past attempts over the last three years, two of them has been in bottom five. So he's not going to be throwing the ball as much. And he if he's not going to win with his legs, he has to win with his legs. That's what everyone's hoping. He wins with his legs. And that's a lot to put on your fantasy quarterback for one season who we haven't really seen do it yet. Uh, I mean, we saw Lamar Jackson do it his rookie year, and we were excited to see what he was able to do this following year, and he produced. Trey Lance really hasn't shown us enough of his rushing ability to have enough faith that he's going to make this massive jump where he's going to be a top five, top eight fantasy quarterback. I think he does something, obviously, and he might help you win weeks here and there, but I, I just don't think he lives up to that hype right away in his career. Yeah, I think cooling the hype on Trey Lance is probably smart. I think that's probably a good play because you're right. The the hype around Trey Lance is getting too much. And I like Trey Lance. And I'm 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 not I don't agree with you that he's gonna fail, but I do agree that we do need to kind of chill a little bit on like how high we're taking Trey Lance and where we think he's gonna go and all these different things. I do think he can succeed because I believe in Kyle Shanahan and I believe that Kyle Shanahan knows how to put the best pl- good players in good situations and then they will perform. So I think he knows Trey Lance's downfalls. He knows he's not accurate to deep ball, but he's going to throw screens to Debo Samuel. He's going to throw small, you know, slants to, to Debo and Kittle up the middle and little stuff like that. And so I think he has guys that can yak for him so he could get some yardage through the air, but it won't look like he's, you know, it's not Justin Herbert where he's throwing some 70 yard bomb, but you're right. I think the hype is getting a little crazy. I think the hype is getting a little crazy for Trey Lance in the dynasty world. Um, and in, even in redraft, um, you know, I was on a podcast recently and said, you know, Jimmy is still there. And, and, and I, not that I don't think Trey Lance is going to start. I do think Trey Lance is going to start, but I don't know. People are talking about him and drafting him as if Jimmy is gone already and doesn't exist. And I don't know, there could just be more question marks to Trey Lance than we're willing to admit in fantasy. I agree 100% with that. We were drafting him top three last year in rookie drafts, and Jimmy G still had the job. We almost mm-hmm. got him to the goddamn Super Bowl. So, like, yeah. it's pretty significant. I don't know if I'll draft him top 10 in redraft. Like, I'm not there yet. Like, maybe, like, as the OTAs and the mandatory mini camps go along and you see more videos and footage, then I'll maybe a believer. But, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a steep price where I could kind of fix some lineups at, depending on how they go in drafts. You're paying – this is the thing, and I always try and talk about Dynasty like it's a stock market. And you're paying absolute peak price for Trey Lance right now. 
you're paying the max. Like he, right. so it's just hard to invest in these pieces for your dynasty team. If you're paying max, if he hits and does well, and he's quarterback eight on the year, great. Okay. But it won't feel like you really accomplished much because you paid quarterback eight price. So it's like, Oh, all right. I just got what I paid for. That's a, that's a great way to explain it guys. Great way. All right. So let's head over to the RBs now. RBs who we expect to succeed in year two. Coach John, you got Travis Etienne, buddy. Didn't play last year. I know. It has to go up from here. It can't be. It has to go up. It has to go up. So I kind of cheated. So Travis Etienne has to go up, obviously. But I I took this as I think he will really succeed. I think he'll really have a breakout year. Um, You know, coming off the injury is always scary. And it's always tough to bet on someone coming off an injury. I usually like to wait. Um, until year two after the injury, but I just don't think that's going to happen with ETN. I think ETN is going to walk into a pretty decent role right off the bat. Uh, James Robinson is there, and James Robinson will certainly still have work when he gets healthy again too. But they will work, and they can work in tandem. And Travis ETN, what he will do is bring something to the receiving game that Jacksonville is lacking. So he is very electric in space, very electric in in you know open areas, the screen game, things like that. I think Travis Etienne is going to do, you know, it, it's hard, but I could see a role where he carves out like an Alvin Kamara, 140 carries, 80 targets, 90 targets, and that's kind of his jam. So I, I think he's good enough to make a, to make 220, 230 touches work for him. And so that's why I think Travis Etienne is going to break out. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to get him – at a, at a lower price than right now, uh, because what's going to happen is he's going to come back. He's going to show that he has this, you know, works well and is healthy. And then the hype is just going to go even higher. And, and so in my opinion, I think he's probably a high end running back too with some, some spike weeks uh, if this offense can figure it out, but that's, that's where I'm valuing him right now. All right. Uh, again, you cheated there. I like it though, but it, it makes sense. He he plans to. He's going to make that. He's got to make that jump. It just seems too natural for him to to not be someone who is, can succeed in his career now. So I like it. I do like it. Coach Jibs, over to you, my friend. You have Javante Williams here. You know, <laughs> Melvin Gordon's back now. You know, yeah, Russ. But you're you still believe there's more to him to come this year. Hey, man, if you would have put Melvin Gordon and Javante numbers together, they probably would have been tuck and tuck with Derrick Henry of like two years ago. So like mm-hmm. um, I know Melvin Gordon came back and like I just had belief that the Broncos and Javante Williams, actually Javante Williams himself did enough last year to prove that he could be the 1A, not the 1B in the running back room. And um, and like I think he's set up to secede based off your questions because they brought Melvin Gordon back. They're not going to run this guy into the ground. They're not going to give him like 350 carries and then have him like be treading water in the next couple of years. So I think like that's a portion of him that he can succeed in NFL long-term, but like, say for instance, like even if uh, Javante Williams, I think they pretty much carry the ball 50, 50, if you got a 5% increase, 55 45 like that's more chances of him getting those bludgeoning runs that we all love where he's breaking off three tackles getting 60 50 yards and uh, obviously you mentioned zach i mean russell wilson becoming the quarterback there like i don't think they're gonna have that many turnover problems in the red zone so their Mm -hmm. touchdown efficiency could drop i mean increase theoretically i think that everyone's 
touchdown efficient gear increase on the offense. So that's why I'm kind of in on Javante Williams. Worst case comes worse. Like you're paying, I think I looked on fantasy pros. They have them. It's the, the hot for them is crazy. Um, they haven't ranked 22. So I don't know if I'll be in the, the Javante Williams camp during redraft season, but I could think that price uh, around two, three ish player could be justified right there. So I like Javante Williams. I think the offense is going to be nice this year. So, All right. I, I like that, honestly. I think Javante Williams does have upside still. Again, there are some people who believe that still, and there's some people who are doubting it now, and I feel like he's falling down drafts because of that. Everyone's like, oh, Melvin Gordon's back, Melvin Gordon's back. But Javante Williams is that talented of an individual that if the touchdowns went his way last year, you know, he would have been much higher up on that list compared to Melvin Gordon was because of that. So I think if the touchdowns fall his way this year and he gets some more of those carries, he will succeed. He's probably the most talented back on this list. So, you know, it's always nice to bet on talent at running back position where you're like, oh, you know, eventually the touches, talent outweighs touches where like coaches know like, okay, I got to give this guy more because he's just a more talented back. So, I like the Javante Williams call. I'm, I'm a big fan. Definitely, definitely. And over to mine, guys. I went with Elijah Mitchell. We all know Elijah Mitchell, who was that sixth-round sixth pick who came out of nowhere at the start of the season and just had a fantastic year. And now, you know, people are doubting him. You know, they're like, well, he got injured a lot last year. They have, you know, Trey Sherman is still there. They uh, drafted um, Trayvon Davis-Price, you know, in the third round. You know, it's just like, it doesn't seem they don't want to trust him or whatever it may be. You know, 49ers running backs, hard to trust in general. I, I get a lot of those concerns there for sure. But Eliza Mitchell has was dominant last year. And, yeah, he missed games due to injuries, a lot of different injuries, which sucks. But you have to have faith in the talent that, that he showed us last year. I mean, eight games over 80 rushing yards. You know, he was eighth in rushing despite missing six games here and there. I mean, that, that's pretty good for a running back right there and an offense that loves to run the football here. And I don't think Davis Price is going to come in and steal the show for sure. I mean, he was overdrafted completely. But the backups there, Jeff Wilson, Trey Sherman, Jermichael Hasty, none of these guys really scream out like competitive, I got to have them on my team or they need to beat out Elijah Mitchell. So if anything, David Price will be more of a compliment role. And I really do believe if, if Mar- Mitchell can stay healthy – there's literally no doubt this man can have a thousand yard season. Again, comes down to health a lot of it, of course. But he's in an offense that loves to run the ball. You have Trey Lance, who should open up the the running lanes. Obviously, because of a rushing quarterback is on the field, definitely helps the running game out there. And I expect him to be able to do what he's able to do. What he showed us last year and and make a big impact and do even better than what we saw this past season out of him. Yeah, I have no concerns. People who want to say, you know, the draft capital with Elijah Mitchell, you know, he's going to lose this job or Kyle Shanahan doesn't run with one back or all anyone who wants to use that narrative. That's fine. You can take it. But I don't play with that fear. I know what Elijah Mitchell did. They know the talent that's there. And they're like, look, we got talent. So, yeah, they drafted a couple, they drafted another running back in the third because teams need a million running backs. Teams need five running backs. And so that to me spoke more to like Jeff Wilson. It spoke more to um, Trey Sermon, all these other pieces. But they know Elijah Mitchell is the top of their depth chart. And then they're just filling out after that. So if people want to be concerned and that's why the dip is happening and why people are selling off on Elijah Mitchell, I'm buying. I'm totally buying. 
<laughs> I'm buying too. Damn shit. <laughs> I'll be first in line too, express lane. I got yeah. my bag ready to go. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Well, it looks like our friends won their Rocket League tournament, and they're blowing up my phone right now. But we're not talking about Rocket League, guys. We're talking about fantasy oh, football. I'll have to come at them later. But going over to yeah, like I said, Elijah Mitchell threw me off there. Guys threw me off there. But uh, yeah, Elijah Mitchell hopefully should be able to succeed going into next season. But let's go over some guys who are planning on maybe failing here that we aren't as high on. Coach John, you have Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly definitely had a big opportunity in his rookie season to make noise, but obviously didn't go out that way. And you're expecting that to continue into his second season. Yeah, 100%. Joshua Kelly, he had a a couple games early on in in the season when he had, I think it was like, eight touches and then 10 touches week one week two and and he had a couple big runs and people were talking about joshua kelly and all this stuff with austin eckler and then he just fell down the depth chart and tumbled and and then when you know there came a chance when there was injuries afoot joshua kelly was nowhere to be seen he was a healthy scratch a couple times it was just like forget it so i know there wasn't a ton of hype around joshua kelly coming into this season but to me, I think he is a, almost a borderline roster clogger at this point if you have him in Dynasty, which is crazy to think that a year in. But uh, I would be cutting bait with Joshua Kelly as soon as possible. Yeah, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty on board with you. I, I mean, they drafted a, a Isaiah Spiller. I mean, he his profile coming in is uh, 10 times better than what Joshua Kelly was giving us when he first came into the league. I'd expect Joshua Kelly to... I don't even know if he's going to even make the roster, to be honest. He might borderline get cut. He might get cut after a year, which is crazy. But the NFL is a tough position, man. And and running backs in general are just a meat grinder where they they chew you up and spit you out. This, this is true. All right, Coach Jibs, my friend, over Sorry. to you. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm dropping Josh Kelly off one of my dynasty teams. Smart. While you're doing that, I will introduce your character here. No. You have Michael Cotter from the New York Jets. Obviously, yes. you don't expect him to take a leap in after a pretty solid rookie year. Tell us why. No, not at all. Like you guys already mentioned with uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets did a fantastic job bolstering up their offense this off season. And unfortunately, one of the positions they strengthened up was running back, and they got the crema della crema the draft, Bryce Hall. So. um for me, like you probably heard this like on some of our redraft episodes, um, Michael Carter just makes me nauseous because in 2021, I felt like he needed volume just to sustain good fancy finishes week to week. It felt like um, when you look at it, when Michael T- Carter had 18 plus touches, he had a minimum of 14 points. Any other game where you got less than 18 touches, it was probably like 10, 8, 7, 9. And um uh, basically, last season, he had a high t- 29 touches in one game. He had 32 fantasy points. And the second highest was 22 touches. He had 18 fantasy points. Basically, what I'm telling you, I think Brees Hall is going to come in and cut in some of that work, especially in the receiving work where he made some dividends, and um, his, especially in PPR league. So I kind of think he's just going to be relegated to a two-down back that's going to be touchdown dependent. And... Like we all said, like this is going to be the first time the Jets offense is going to be good in some time, but I'm still not sold on them being good. They're still going to have to work through their kinks and whatnot. So like Michael Carter scares the crap out of me, and I think he's not going to be in line to have a good season like he did last year at points. 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Michael Carter is going to have to be very efficient and take advantage of any opportunity he gets this year. I don't think he's going to see the goal line work as much. If anything, he might see he's going to probably be the passing down back to some extent. And if he's not getting the necessary targets that he needs, he might just be a guy who is more like a DFS play or like obviously a best ball play where he gets a couple of good games here and there, but he won't be a consistent. I don't think he's going to be a consistent factor. Yeah, I don't, I agree. And it's funny. I, you know, you said like, Oh, he needs to be efficient with his touches. Michael Carter's not efficient. That's, you know, we've talked, we've, we've talked about it. It's just not who he is. It's a 30, you know, he had 32 points on 28 touches. Like that's, you know, you give that to most other running backs and they're having a 40, 50 point game. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's in Michael Carter is a tough one. Cause I did like Michael Carter in UNC. I liked him a lot. Um, but I think it's just, he's another one that's going to start to kind of fade into a secondary committee role with, you know, and be some specialist running back, which is not good for fantasy, which is not good. <laughs> You're the king of the committee for one year. Then you get a partner every time, <laughs> every time, every time. Well, over to mine, I know this might hurt Jibs a little bit there. As an <laughs> doesn't. Uh, well, that's I'm okay. Glad, I'm glad to hear, but there are so many Kenny Gainwell truthers out there right now. I feel like still people love Kenneth Gainwell and I'm trying to cool it down for whatever it may be. I don't think Kenny Gainwell takes a, a big leap, but we're talking about him as a, as a top 20 player, you know, during the season all the time or something like that. Cause the way I see it, you know, Kenny Gainwell, I think, got most of the opportunity early on in the season. His situation kind of dwindled as, you know, a guy like Miles Sanders came back and has was healthier later in the season after he got hurt early on. But everyone's hoping, like, Miles Sanders gets hurt and then Kenny Gainwell can take, take over and just dominate. But I, I think Miles Sanders, again, we don't know. Hopefully he stays healthier this coming year. That That's a big key factor, Miles Sanders being healthy. And I think Miles Sanders healthy – is really, really good at football. He is really good at football. It's just that he hasn't been on the field. Kenny Gainwell took opportunity early on in the season. I got those touchdowns, got 50 targets last year. I just don't really see him seeing more than 50 targets, if that. Especially if Miles Sanders can play all 16, 17 games this coming season. This team, I, I don't know what direction they're really going on the offense. You have to assume it's once they want to pass the ball more. But, you know, Jalen Hurts only threw like 425 attempts last year. I don't know how many more attempts he's really going to throw. Is he going to get the 500 maybe? But then you have to worry about all the weapons now. You have to throw to A.J. Brown. You have to throw to Devontae Smith. You still have Dallas Goddard there. You have other wide receivers. Miles Sanders is going to see targets. So I just don't really see Kenny Gainwell really taking any sort of major leap where he's like the Tony Pollard of the Cowboys off or the Eagles offense where he's just – playing and contributing week and week and you can just start him without a doubt i think if anything 2023 you could see more of his role expand if that's the case but i think in 2022 it's not going to take that next leap that we all that some folks wanted to don't disrespect tony power like that don't you dare <laughs> tony Pollard playing wide receiver now apparently so no, <laughs> based on the news we've seen out there but <laughs> i i, I it's that time of year <laughs> All these running backs are playing in the slot now. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that time of year. Everyone, Everyone's in the best shape of their life, and everyone's lining up all over the field in OTAs. It's just – it's it's the best. It's all – you know, everything is in a rose-colored glass right now. <laughs> it really is. 
All right, boys. So over to our wide receivers now. Those who will succeed for us. Coach John, you have one of my boys, Elijah Moore. Yeah. Why is Elijah Moore going to succeed? Garrett Wilson's there now, man. I know Garrett Wilson's there. And I think that's part of why Elijah Moore will succeed. I think Elijah Moore is needs someone on to pull attention away and, and, and needs someone to take the top off of a defense so that he can run these slants, run these underneaths get into space and, and make guys miss one-on-one. That's where Elijah Moore is, is successful. So the fact that they brought more weapons in just means he can relegate to that one B in an offense or even a, you know, a high end two in this offense. And so to me, Elijah Moore is going to fit more and profile more as a, as a NFL team's number two. And so when you put them in the right place and you put them in the right space and Garrett Wilson, hopefully it's going to take a little bit. I think it probably won't be until week, four five six that you really start to see this offense gel but at that point you know then you're going to get a consistent floor with elijah moore and and that to me is what you want it's not going to be this alpha sexy amazing piece for fantasy but he's going to be in my opinion very consistent he's going to get a good eight plus targets a week in an offense that I think should be relatively good, believe it or not. I'm be- I can't believe the Jets offense is going to – I'm going to sit here and say the Jets offense is going to be good, but I think the Jets offense should be pretty good. Um, and so I think that that's a, a valuable piece. And, and he's talented. He's a, a very good yard-after-catch guy um, with the ball in his hands. And so he can make a lot happen with, you know, short, you know, short targets. I mean, there's no doubt he's explosive and obviously a player that I'm really thrilled to see what he's able to do. He can play 16 games and we've talked about a jet player, every single position so far. So I'm going there in New York right now. Jesus. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's true. All right, coach Chips, over to you, my friend, Rashad Bateman, obviously no more Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson's hopefully healthy. I don't want to take your takes away, but yeah, you just took all of them. Take it away. <laughs> Tell me why Bateman, man. Oh, like you already mentioned those two big things, but like Marquise Brown's departure is leaving a whopping like 140 targets. Like I don't think Mark Andrews is going to be a 200 target tight end catching 150 of them. So I think Bateman could be that primary receiver who could get close to 100 right behind um, Mark Andrews in the pecking order of the offense. But they don't have anyone else. We discussed this last week. But I'm more enthused that Lamar could be healthier again. You should have the running backs back in the offense, which theoretically could help Lamar be able to get the, I guess, better passing lanes on play action throws and whatnot. And then finally, just with Bateman, like the guy finished as a wide receiver five this last year. Like I think he was like ranked like 69 in PPR. That's not going to happen again. I think uh, Rashad Bateman might be better off for Lamar and his uh, QB progression as years go on, being a more possession receiver instead of relying on those deep balls that we saw Marquise Brown come through. I want to say constantly because he had some drops over the last couple of years, some head scratching drops. But I think those are improve his numbers, and I think it could have a like, more stabilized offense, just relying on just big shot, big plays every now and then. Every now and then. The nice thing about Rashad Bateman that I love and, and, you know, Marquise Brown leaving made it so much easier is this offense is very predictable. They like one wide receiver, they like one tight end, and then they run the ball. So I think Rashad Bateman is going to step into that wide receiver one role and be probably be the number two target, like you said, in that offense. And so 
when Hollywood was there, it made things a little bit more iffy because the passing volume is just not, it's just not that high. But now with, with no, with no other wide receiver there, I don't see Devin Duvernay or James Proche or any of these people cutting into Rashad Bateman's work. I think Rashad Bateman and, and Mark Andrews are going to give as much as they could possibly handle. So this is a, this is a good pick too. I like this one. And I was looking at some of the snap shares of last year and like Bateman, like the first when he came back off injury and whatnot, he was playing around 40, 60%. And then as he got, I guess, more acclimated to the offense and obviously Lamar went down and they turned to Tyler Huntley and they needed more passing. You saw like an increase of his playing time is more of an 80% wide receiver. Marquise Brown was playing high 80s, 90%. So, and that was on a consistent basis throughout the year. So if Bateman can just step into like just being on the field more than he was last year, I think it's all going to benefit him. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Steve, you're muted, man. As that's why. <laughs> Rashard Bateman getting close <laughs> to 100 targets seems pretty obvious this coming season based on what, what went away last year. So he's, he's in a good, good opportunity to take that next year step and be successful. All right, so my, my guy here is everyone's down on Amron St. Brown. You know, obviously the end of the season, it was big hype, but now everyone's like, well, everyone's back now. You have Jared Goff, a quarterback. They brought in two new wide receivers. But the one thing about Jared Goff, I mean, his yards per attempt, six fewest in the NFL last year. Six fewest. <laughs> That's not good. That's not great. That's not great. But it's good for St. Brown, though. St. Brown wasn't a guy who was, you know, going downfield, stretching the defenses. That's why they brought in Jameson Williams. That's why they brought in DJ Shark. Guy like Amar St. Brown is going to control the underneath and middle of the field there. And with all the weapons coming back there, he might not be a guy who sees 10-plus targets every single week. But I think there's a logic where he could easily be the number two pass catcher, even the number one still. Everyone's so, like... Like, oh, TJ Hawkinson's back. Well, t- no one's talking up TJ Hawkinson like he's an elite tight end. They're not talking about like a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey. They're not talking about him like that. So this opportunity for St. Brown to be the number one pass catcher on this team. We know DeAndre Swift's going to get his, of course. He's looking better this offseason, supposedly. Jameson Williams could start the year on the pump this year, which would put him out the first six games of the season. DJ Shark, we only see him play one good season. And he's a guy who's supposed to be a field stretcher who isn't likely going to see the same target share with a guy like Jared Goff at quarterback. So you have to assume that St. Brown is going to still be in line for a good target share that gets him six to eight touch, uh, six to eight targets almost per game. And the fact that so many people are so down on him, he's going as a value in, in Dynasty, and I'm pretty sure he's a value in redraft still. I think there's still a big opportunity for him to take another step. You have to assume early on last year, he's a rookie. He was a fourth-round pick. There's a reason he was a fourth round pick. He needed more time to get involved in an NFL offense to learn, to develop. And he saw him develop late in the season. Granted, you're missing some key players there, but I think St. Brown is definitely going to be underrated by a redraft season when it really starts kicking. And I think he's going to surprise people early on in, in the season. Yeah, I think he carved himself out a, a nice role. I think the end of his season was a bit of a anomaly. I don't know if we'll I don't know if he'll ever reach those heights again where he was kind of a low end wide receiver one. Um, but he proved enough to the Lions and enough to the coaching staff that they he needs to be 
involved in this offense in some facet. He just did. So I think this is a good pick. I think this is smart. It might not be kind of like Elijah Moore. It's not the sexiest, like most upside pick, but I think there's just, he's just too talented and too good. And the team knows that. And so, like you said, if Jamison Williams starts off on the pup, then forget it. Then Amon Ra's got going to start the first six weeks being on fire. Right. I can expect him to be closer, not exactly the same, but close to what we saw at the end of the season than what we saw at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. I think people are pushing back to what we saw early on in his NFL career. So and there's oh. always going to be garbage time, guys. So don't worry, <laughs> the lines are still bad. Uh, they are still we'll see. I bet they surprise they, they could be sneaky good I don't know we'll see but uh, that's, okay. that's, that's for another June debate there 13th line sneaky good and we hyped oh, up the man. Jets all show and we said the Lions are sneaky good <laughs> yeah I know alright so year two wide receivers who, who are doomed to fail coach John you have Kadarius Tony. Why Kadarius Tony? There's a new look offense in New York. Yeah, I know there's a new look offense in New York. Sadly, they still have Daniel Jones. So <laughs> that's the only that's the biggest downfall there. But no, Kadarius Tony, look, there's already been talks of, of the Giants kind of wanting to explore trade options with him and trying to get rid of him. And and you know, not to sit here and I don't like reading into these off-field narratives, but you know, his he's just not gelling well with the giants right now. And so I just don't, I don't see a world where he's not, he's talented, but he's not like Uber talented where like they need to feature him in this focal point. And so I think it's going to, they're going to try and get the money going, which is um, uh, Kenny G. Um, I think they're going to try and get him going more uh, and, and get that offense going that way. And as well as Saquon Barkley, I think Saquon Barkley coming back and Saquon Barkley being healthy is going to eat up a lot of those short yardage targets that Kadarius Tony, you know, those slants, those jet sweeps, those um, screen game things that Kadarius Tony did well. And other than the one game that he had, there was nothing else really to write home about. So I, I think he's a mediocre player on a bad team with a mediocre quarterback. I just don't see a world where Kadarius Tony breaks out to this next level. And maybe I'm wrong. And, and you know, that game against the Cowboys is more what he is. And he can take, you know, 180 yards and two touchdowns. And that becomes like a thing for him. But I just don't think it is. I think, I think the, they just, he was playing against Trayvon Diggs and Trayvon Diggs just loves giving up big touchdowns. So, you know, that was, that was kind of the the point there. No, that is true. That is true. Yeah, I'm torn on this one still. I, I don't know really what to expect from Tony still. Like, I don't know. He, I don't think he's going to break out, but I feel like he could contribute for this offense there just because the, the injuries could pile up once again. Again, we don't know. We can't always presume that injuries are going to happen, but there's some talent there. I just don't know if they're going to use it right, especially when they bring Wanda Robinson also into the fold. It's just, just mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense what they're doing. If, if, they, if Tony could get traded somewhere else, I would have more faith in him, but – I definitely don't have enough faith in them to, to call him a breakout, but I, I'm, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. I have more faith something crazy will happen to it will be just some crazy headline throughout the offseason rather than having a breakout year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, that's more than possible. But, Coach Jibs, we're on to you, my friend. You got 2-2 Atwell, a former second-round pick. Yeah, that's um, fine. You know, 
yeah, second round picks could still produce, but you're saying this is literally no shot for you. Uh, I, I don't think there's much shot. Like I've been seeing like, I guess articles and like, I guess mini camp hype up, but Oh, two, two, that well is looking amazing. Matt Stafford says he's really impressing with like his uh, movements and his route running. But like, for me still, like I was like totally captivated with two, two Atwells during like draft season. Like why did the Rams spend that 52th pick? On um, Sean McVay's a genius. The Rams don't even care about draft picks. I thought all of that meant that like they had a plan for this guy, and the guy only was on the field for what ten meaningful stamps on offense last year. Just pretty much just a special teams guy. With the, all the injuries to the wide receiver core, they trade um, Woods. They don't resign Beckham. They get Robinson. They have Cooper Cup, who's amazing. They still have Van Jefferson. I still don't think there's no room for him that offense whatsoever. Like maybe he could just become like, I guess the Van Jefferson role of past years, where he's that fourth receiver and he can make some um, like just red eye plays from some deep shots. But other than that, I just don't see him being totally involved in the offense, and that's for redraft. Dynasty, you probably could just write him off, so. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably play the Deshaun Jackson role where he gets one catch for, like, 70 yeah. yards, and then people will go nuts, but, like, it's just what Deshaun Jackson did when he was with the Rams. Every once in a great blue moon, he got a big play, and it happened to be a score, and I think that's what you're going with Tuzu Atwell at best right now in this part of his career. I just There's no room right now in that offense unless some – major injuries happen for him to ever make a, a major improvement. Oh, thank you, Steve. I totally forgot Deshaun Jackson played there last year. So that's it's the wild. role I was describing. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So over to my last pick here for the wide receivers, guys, it's Rondell Moore. And I, I, I feel like Rondell Moore is starting to cool off for some people, but I just don't see Rondell Moore really taking that next step. Honestly, you know, you would thought that at the end of last year, you would say, all right, because Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins went down, Rondell Moore would see more playing time and more work, but he really just never did. He really never came out of the role that he was in. And again, he's 5'7", guys. He's shorter than me right now in the NFL playing. I just don't see him ever taking that development where he's the team's one or two. And you bring in Hollywood Brown, you'd really trade your first-round pick to go get another wide receiver when you just spent a second, or was it, I think Rondell Moore went in the second. Mm-hmm. I can't remember correctly. On on a wide receiver, why go out there and get Hollywood Brown if you're not going to go and give Rondell Moore all the opportunity possible to to succeed? And I just I just don't see it happening. He might at some point early on in the season with Hopkins out maybe show some flash, but when Hopkins comes back, I mean, it just this is a playoff caliber team where they have three really good wide receivers that. I just don't see them really using Rondell Moore as a actually true wide receiver. And then you bring in Darrell Williams now, who's a really good pass catching back. We thought maybe Rondell Moore would want to take that kind of position in the offense, but it just doesn't seem that they're setting up their offense to use Rondell Moore as, as a as a true breakout type of wide receiver or someone who's a major contributor in the offense. So I just don't see him taking that next step this year. Yeah, I agree. I think he's just a little bit more of a gadgety type of player than he is a true fantasy stud right that's that's the best way to see it yeah i think he'll his only shots like that first like six games where hopkins is out and he can make some magic other than that you're just gonna probably just have him in those uh hurry up offense type of moments where they're just trying to get those quick out routes and get some yardage on complete the down so Mm -hmm. i agree with you steve 
Yeah, like I said, you bring it back, AJ Green. You bring back, you bring in Hollywood. Just uh, they don't seem to trust him. So hands off that. So all right, let's finish this up with our tight ends. And John, you have Kyle Pitts. I didn't ask you. I don't know if maybe I didn't put the fail up there before, but fail. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're you're having him exceed expectation. I'm assuming, right? No, I'm having him. I'm having him regress out oh, of expectations. Okay, okay, I'm having okay. him regress. I think succeed off of what was one of statistically the best tight end seasons we've seen out of a rookie is really hard to do. Um, look, I don't know what that offense is going to look like. I, I really don't. You know, I, I think it's they could be in contention for the number one overall pick next year. They, they. I think the Falcons are that bad. Um, so. Kyle Pitts is he's super talented and I love him. He's a great piece, but for redraft, you know, going as a top five, top six tight end to me just seems a little crazy. Like it's, I don't see a world where he can be this again, unless the Falcons figure it out and become a, you know, a pass happy offense with him and Drake London and, and they're, chucking the ball over the yard, which I just don't think is going to happen. I just think this team's going to stink. I think they're going to be very limited. I think defensively they're not going to be able to stop a nosebleed. And so <laughs> it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Kyle Pitts to, to even replicate what he did last year, which was, you know, a thousand yards. And now he can make up for his fantasy points by putting up more touchdowns because he struggled in the touchdown department. But I don't really see another hundred reception thousand yard season in Kyle Pitts. I think that's just going to be, I think he's just going to struggle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think he has a season where he tops what he did last year with the offense he's in. Right. A hundred percent. And that's really what this is. This is like similar to like the Mac Jones thing. I think you just, and not that Kyle Pitts is limited like the Mac Jones argument, but I just think you saw the best you could out of Kyle Pitts last year given the situation. I don't think the the Falcons got better. They added Drake London, but they're still two, three years away from being a legitimate threat. And so Kyle Pitts, maybe in two years from now, might be awesome. But uh, for redraft formats and redraft standards, I just think the hype around Kyle Pitts is still, it's just name value. It's just, it's all it is right now. It's, you know, I just think I'd rather take my shot with other guys later or, you know, if you're going to spend the high draft capital, spend the high draft capital on, I don't know, someone Kelsey else. Kelsey Andrews. Yeah, Andrews, Kelsey. Mark Andrews for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, That's it. That, like fifth, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who's in that like fifth round ADP. Yeah, like, Dalton, Dalton, <laughs> George, George Kittle. I mean, Kittle. like I'd rather George Kittle over Kyle Pitts in my opinion. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, again, I'm for, on like, for redraft for redraft. Oh, for redraft for dynasty dynasty. I still think Kyle Pitts is a top three guy because his ceiling will be immense when he hits it. I just don't see him. Not hitting it. I just don't see him hitting it in 2023, 2022, this upcoming year. All right. I respect it. I respect it. Coach Jibs, my friend, over to you. You went with the other t- elite tight end in this class here and Kyle, uh, Pat Fitz, um, that prior music. Oh wow! That prior music. I'm sorry. 
I didn't ask you either. Are you, are you, is he going to exceed the expectations he saw last year, or is he going to drop down for you? He's going to fail. Like It's not hard to fail when you're a tight end. You don't know where these touchdowns are going to come from. He had seven touchdowns last year with a veteran quarterback. And he's going to have veterans this year, but Mitchell Trubisky, eh. Uh, especially I'm not going to be going down with the rookie, um, Kenny Pickett either. So uh, that kind of scares me how things will work with those. But we all know like rookies, best friend could be tight ends. I could help them out. But other than that, like you look at the offense last year, it was Deontay. It was, oh, Jesus Najee. Christ. It was Deontay. Najee. He was fourth in the pecking order, guys. Claypool. Yeah. Deontay, Najee, then yeah. fire move. So, like, that optic right there is not really, like, good for me either because you typically see, like, these top-end tight ends are typically one or two and they're um, targets, uh, targeted on the offense. So, I don't, I don't think that's going to work with them. And the Steelers still have a bad offensive line. I just – there's too many question marks for me. And, like, he finished tight end 13 last year. I think it's going to be hard for him to crack into that top eight mix that you kind of all, like – regard with tight end so um no fail yeah i mean he was a big touchdown or bust kind of guy last year so i I'm, i i agree with you on this this take here mm-hmm. all right boys so let me go over my final player and it's john bates from the washington commanders i'm going to be positive and i was like who the hell is that <laughs> i know guys i know even half my dynasty teams check out the end of my benches so john bates rookie last year you know, someone later in the season saw it again playing time because Logan Thomas went out and then Ricky Seals went out. You know, kind of averaged about like three targets per game or so. Um, but the kid has opportunity. He wasn't someone who was an elite talent coming out, but he did a little bit of decent work with a lot of his talent overall. And Logan Thomas could end up being the pump. He got, I think he tore his ACL like literally like two games before the season was over there. You know, there's no more Ricky Seals Jones. Of course, he's in New York. And the tight end position in Washington has always been featured. Over the last few seasons, that's what Logan Thomas came out of nowhere. I know we've seen some of these tight ends just pop up and produce for us in fantasy each and every week here. We know Carson Wentz loves to throw to his tight ends over his career. We'd love to see that. And, you know, Terry McLaurin could be holding out. We don't know how long that could be, if that's a thing. And really, outside of Terry McLaurin, who is the real number two in that offense in terms of a pass catcher? You could say Curtis Sam, You could say uh, Doxon. You could say McKissick. But we really don't know. You know what's been really – Always consistent. The tight end usually is a number two guy there. So John Bates has an opportunity to really take an, another step in his development and, and be something where maybe he's not like obviously the tight end five or whatever, but finishes a top 12 tight end possible at the end there. It's potentially there. And I, and I think that's why I like to see him, be, uh, why I like to see him be able to succeed this coming season. I always like free square plays like this because John, John Bates is. <laughs> Probably on your waiver wire. If you if he's not, you can trade a ham sandwich for him, and you never know. And if and if he does hit, like Logan Thomas did, and you're like, oh wow, this is a, a weekly sh- you know streamable tight end, and this is this is great. I think that's a good it's a good call, John Bates. I have a friend, John Bates. Shout out to my friend whose name is also John Bates. <laughs> so uh, it's when I first read that in the show doc, it made me laugh. I texted my buddy. I go, oh, we're talking about you in my family. <laughs> what? I love it. <laughs> Probably so confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up tonight, guys. It was a fantastic show. Coach Sean, anything to say before we go? Uh, I got nothing. Follow me at FTLS underscore J Bats. Um, 
wish me luck. I got the VP of my company in with me for the next three days. So uh, hopefully pray that I get a, a good couple days on the road with uh, and and my review goes well. And I keep I keep my job and everybody's happy. Oh, well, good luck, brother. As Thank always. You. Appreciate you. Coach Jibs, my friend, what do you got to say? I am hungry. I am yes, hungry. Yes, I know. I've kept Jibs on, on this way too long tonight. I apologize, brother. I'll make it up to you one day. You're uh, good. For me, guys, uh, I'm hungry too, to be honest. But as always, please go check out our <laughs> website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We got rankings. We have a whole ex- statistical database that we're working on that's all kind of up there now. So I would hope you guys check it out. It's really Really, really good. And obviously, we have our articles, we have rankings, we have these podcast episodes up there. We have everything you hopefully need to help you win your fantasy championship. And as always, please go follow the podcast over on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. Please also subscribe to us on YouTube at The Fantasy Coaches. We really appreciate it. Tune in till next time, guys. We'll be back next Wednesday talking about some last chance players. So until then, guys. Have a great the back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up jack i'ma head back back to the blowing up blowing up blowing it go